seated. Uh, I want to show you something. We, we actually were able to send out what is, uh, we're, we're calling our first missionaries into a foreign, foreign nation. Uh, Bruce and Dale Woodall came in in the first service. They've been here for over a year now. And we've been watching and, and, and developing and, and shaping and forming with and, and praying through so many scenarios. When well, in 2008, God called them and moved them to have a heart for the Burmese people, formerly Myanmar. And they're working with the Free Burma Rangers is what it's called. And, and basically their assignment, what God has called them to do is to go and equip these the, the village people and how to uh, care for, in, in medical terms, medical uh, ways, care for the people who have, have sickness, have disease, have military injuries, etc. And so they're going to, to train and to develop and they'll be working out of a medical facility not far from the, the villages there. And so... I want to show you some pictures. Here's, here they are, one, that, so you know who they are, if you'll show me that slide. This is uh, Dale here and Bruce. Aren't they a handsome couple? And so we, lay, we were able to pray over them, lay hands on them. And uh, as you can see, if you'll go forward, there you go, Katera, you got it. Uh, as you go, so we, we prayed over them and just blessing them. And we also gave them a monetary uh, check so that we could bless any last minute needs that they may have. Because how many know if you've ever been, been moving towards something that's outside of your comfort zone the enemy wants to hit you with all kind of stumbling blocks. And so not only have they been overcoming those, but they've been overcoming them with a smile, choosing joy. Because you know you're ready to go out into, a, to, into God's purpose on your life whenever in the midst of all stuff breaking loose, you, you just, you're not today. Not today, Satan. You're not going to get me. Mm -mm, I'm not going to fall for it. And when I do fall, I pick myself up right really quickly and smile at it again. And so we were able to bless them and, and pray over them. It's important, as you can see, the laying on of hands is so important when it comes to kingdom purposes and kingdom movements. And so they'll be sent out. They'll come back in March. They'll, go, they'll be here for six months, and they'll be sent out yet again. They'll, they'll go back out having been sent. So they're six months in and six months out after this first short term. So uh, be praying for them, if you will, as they, as they come up in your mind and you remember this moment, pray for them, uh, pray, because there is now... It hasn't been, but until last few weeks, an outbreak of COVID in Burma. And so there you go. They're going to that. But God has probably designed such a training that they've been through here because uh, they're, they're doctors as well. And, and so they're, they're well equipped to help uh, those needs there. So for you guys, for here, there's an opportunity coming up that we're going to kick off next week. You Outside, you'll see as you leave next week, you're going to see some hopefully boxes. We're trying to get some in, shoe boxes. You'll definitely see forms with pamphlets that'll describe what we would like for you to pick up. And, and it's through Samaritan's Purse. It's Operation Christmas Child. And so let me show you a short video so that you can be in the know of what that looks like. Out of three, when children open the shoe boxes, they're so excited. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. All right, so your opportunity to be a part of that, blessing a child somewhere in the world, will, be, will begin next week. And now, you can't just put it on a shelf and say, I'll get to it later, because we actually need those back around November 11th. It's, it's a small box in a pamphlet. It'll be an example of items. You could immediately go to Walmart or go to Amazon. Uh, don't do it while you're in service. I know many of you do shop. <laughs> this is boring. I'm going to buy something. No, it's another soul issue we need to talk about, by the way. 
Hobby Lobby, yeah, you can buy all that fun stuff. That's probably where you're going right after this, isn't it? Hobby Lobby. George loves Hobby Lobby. He loves gift certificates from Hobby Lobby if you ever want to bless the drummer, one of our drummers. And so <laughs> he loves to decorate seasonally at his home and outside in his yard. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so also that's coming up again. That's coming up next week. Be looking for that. Listen, pray into that. It, it, it's, worth, it, it, it's worth it to bless a child somewhere in the nation that's never been, probably never been blessed. And it's a way for us to also, as Franklin Graham, and, and they go out to deliver these packages, they're delivering the gospel as well. And so pray over those. We will pray over those as well. And so uh, you'll find out more of that next week. Also... October 31st, which is coming up really soon, we're having our uh, Love Thy Neighbor Faith Fest. We're going to have all kinds of fun things, bounce houses out there. There's going to be face painting. Anybody know how to paint, uh, paint a face? You can do spray paint if you want. It doesn't matter. Just <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> Now, the goal in here, listen, again, uh, we, we want to reach the lost, people far from God. There's going to be buses coming and going through different apartment complexes, neighborhoods, and bringing people out here. It's going to be at the Kane Center. Uh, Kane Center. Uh, volunteers we need at 9 a.m. It's going to be at the first service. We're going to have a corporate service inside the Kane Center at 11 a.m. Also, in the afternoon, there's going to be an airplane candy drop. You don't want to miss this because we're going to throw all the kids out in the field and then we're going to fly a plane over them and see how that works out. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest day ever. <laughs> not really, not really. They'll be out of the way. The kids are going to be fine. And if they're not, it's not on us. The liability is not on us. So it's going to be... <laughs> But grab one of these if they're out in the, in the foyer, out in the entryway. If you'll grab one of these or a poster, maybe you know a, a business owner that'll allow you to put this up. Tell all your friends, let as many people know as possible because we really, we're trying to get a thousand people there. And so we're going to have enough for a thousand people. And so if a thousand people don't show up, it's your fault. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. But here's how you can get plugged in on the next one. This show, the little QR code right there. You can pull up your phone and you can actually, it's, your pastor's asking you to pull out your phone in church. And you can pull up that QR and there's a registration. There'll be a lot of different opportunities for you to serve in some capacity during the day. Not all day. Not, you don't, you don't have to serve all day long, but you get to serve for at least 30 minutes. Isn't that, isn't that a joy to serve others? Amen. Because you do know that you're not serving others. You're actually serving Jesus as you serve others. Okay? And so just be mindful. Do I want to serve Jesus or not? Yes. <laughs> do I want to pull up my QR code and serve Jesus or no? I'm not going to do it. No. Mm -mm. Anyway, that might, that just kind of folds into our, you know I'm playing with you a lot. And that folds into our, our message from pain to purpose. And we're in this series. We started it last week. And it's okay if you missed anything. You can always go back to, to, you for, to YouTube or Facebook, Thrive CC Athens. We talked last week about the pride test. Nobody's ever struggled with that here, so you're good. Uh, the, but in the pride test, if you would have, you would, you would realize that, hey, uh, some of the most proud people are actually some of the most insecure people. And so in my pride, it really is a way, a marker to identify area of insecurity in my life. In pride, we oftentimes brag about things, become braggadocious. So we always have to speak up when it's unnecessary. We have to be heard in a conversation. All of a sudden, the, you, you, the guy in the, the, guy in the in this circle that can't not speak, if that's you, pride, <laughs> it's, it's because of insecurity. I just want to be, I want to be out there. I want to be accepted. I want to be affirmed. I want to be heard. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. And so we identified some of these things, that, but God wants to get the pride out of our heart so he can humble us in a healthy way to form us and prepare us for the purpose that he has for our life. And it's only going to be when he can truly flow through us. And so he takes us through these 10 tests, these 10 character tests, and everyone, everyone has experienced pain. Uh, Joseph is the story we pulled this from. We're going into the pit test. The pit test, from pain to purpose, we're in the pit test. And so everyone has experienced pain at some level. In Joseph's story, and probably much like our own, uh, we had, had, have had family struggles. As children, we have uh, had some issues, and maybe our parents, and we didn't understand why things worked out the way. Or maybe it was siblings, and we didn't understand 
why things worked out the way. Whatever the scenario, and maybe it was just inflicted pain upon us, but there is a way out of all of that, way beyond all of that. But all of us have experienced pain at some sort, some level. Well, in the midst of all of that, God was begin, he began to give Joseph a dream, a, a picture of what his future would look like. But he didn't give it in such a way of what it would actually become. He gave it in such a way that would create a desire for, God, for Joseph to lean into God or at least have the, his attention geared towards God so that this dream could be fulfilled. However, in yours and my immaturity in the Lord, oftentimes we feel like we have to flesh it out, brag about it, go show it off, shine it up, and wear it on our forehead, right? You guess what God told me? Great. Let him do it then. But so many times it causes pain. We get rejected. We feel unaccepted. We feel like people don't believe us. Well, in, in this scenario, his brothers were already envious of him, of him Joseph, because Joseph was his father's favorite, though he shouldn't have been. Well, they are also, he was also a tattletale. Joseph always loved to tell on his older brothers to his dad of what they were doing wrong or weren't doing. Well, that's never good. Not, not to mention, he was also, he got a dream from God. In the dream, it looked like his family would be bowing down to him. And so braggadocious goes and shares this dream twice nonetheless. And they hate him even more. And then they hate him even more. And they already hated him. Boy, this guy's thick-headed. Anybody know anybody thick-headed? No elbows? No elbows. But, but they but there's one thing, God has a purpose for every one of us in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of even the dream that seems like it's so far from me, it's impossible that this could ever take place, yet God has a destiny, a purpose on our lives. But the one thing that keeps us from walking out this purpose is similar for us all, and it's just like it is for Joseph, it's, it's character. It's a character flaw. It's character issues. It's character struggles. And this is why God uses, uses continuously 10 tests in our lives to challenge and test our character to see if we're willing to humble towards him in these various directions, these various avenues. And not only that, hallelujah, you get to keep on taking this test over and over and over. Should you so not pass it, not fail, but not pass it, God's so gracious, he'll give it to you again in another scenario. Hallelujah. Yes. And then as you grow, as you pass those tests, and God elevates you in responsibility and in calling towards your purpose, guess what? As he's ready to raise you up again, here comes those tests wrapping back around the mountain yet again to challenge you in that scenario, in that level of your responsibility, that level of your calling to see if yet again you're ready to be humble towards his voice and go even further with him. And so isn't that wonderful news? Yes, and so, but many people never come into their full purpose in life ordained by God simply because their character will not support the destiny. God is literally withholding people from walking in the fullness of their purpose because if they did walk in that purpose at this time, their character would not be able to support the weight of the responsibility that that purpose comes with. So it's like if you got it too early, it would fold you and you would give up. Several negative things would come, from, come through that. One, you would think it never was yours anyway, or maybe you thought I was trying to manifest it and flesh it, which you would be right, but it doesn't mean that that's not God's purpose on your life. And so many have gone there, have gotten ahead of themselves, that the character wasn't there. Though the giftings and the talents were there, the character was not there to sustain, and it felt like there was a folding. Well, God's ready to bring you out of that. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter what has taken place, God still is trying to take you through these tests to help you pass, by the way. He's given you all the cliff notes in his Bible so that you can be strengthened and restored and built up in him. Joseph endured pain. Joseph was given a dream. Joseph was also on the path, began a path to his destiny, his purpose in life. You've been given a purpose in life to achieve, to walk towards, to step into. Joseph was 17 when he got his first dream, when he had his first dream. 
He, wasn't, he was 30 when he began to, when he got his calling, when he began to walk in his calling. But he wasn't, four, he was only 40. He was 40 when he actually began to fulfill that calling. So dream, 13 years later, he began to walk in it, and then 10 years yet, he began to fulfill it. And so there's a lot of things that take place through our time of, of, of receiving perspective or insight or revelation or being given a dream to the, times, to the time we actually begin to walk in and even yet to fulfill because there's a difference between walking in and fulfilling. And so it was the process that required him to pass 10 character tests. And by the way, you'll see scripture, similarities in scripture. 10 is the number for testing in scripture. There were 10 commandments, if you remember. And they're all to test our heart, the condition of our heart, to faithfulness back to God, to trust him in those 10 areas especially. Uh, There's also the parable of the 10 virgins that Jesus gave. Five of them had their oil for the lamps uh, so that they could make it. The, The other five didn't. They tried to get away, get by with good enough. And that ought to speak to the body of Christ right there. Because half of us are trying to get by with just good enough. So it's a test. The number is a test. So I want you to ask yourself, what is it in my character that God is trying to work on? Because albeit he is trying to work on something continually for me to connect to my purpose. What is it that God wants to work on in my character So we talked about the pride test, now we're talking about the pit test. Let me tell you, we're going to pick up this story in Genesis 37, verse 13 through 24. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock? Now remember, Israel, there's a transition made in the last last week, in the beginning of this chapter. Jacob is Joseph's father. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And the Israel nation that we know now would actually come through Jacob, his name being Israel. They were giving the Israel the name, the nation of Israel. Okay, just, that's a little small blurb on that. Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to, them, said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks. Notice this though, hang on. And bring back word to me. And so remember last week, he had already, Joseph had already been tattletelling on his brothers. And Joseph failed that test. And yet here his father is again giving him another opportunity to go get a a preview, to go see what his brothers are doing so that he can test how he's going to bring this report back. Isn't it interesting? He gives him another chance. Thank you, Lord, for giving us another chance. Moving on. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And that's how many of us are. We're in this gap of, I know there's a purpose, a dream in my life, and and I, I know there's a purpose to be fulfilled. In the midst of that, many of us, the body of Christ, are just wandering around. I feel unfulfilled. I feel like I have no purpose. I don't know why I exist. I don't know why this is all happening to me. We're wandering around, wondering why life is the way it is, and it feels yet unfulfilled. We're wandering around like he was in the field. And the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? I don't know. (laughs) So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they, they are feeding the flocks. And the man said, said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Anybody ever had back labels or labels connected to you? Anybody ever had names that they've called you, you've been called, and all of a sudden over time, you just own that name and begin, that becomes your identity? Yes, I'm sure the answer is yes. But there's, a, there's, other, there's others that have been given a name, and all of a sudden, because the power of the name, there, there's a pride that rises up. There's an entitlement. There's a, there's a sense of identity that becomes in the name in an unhe- another unhealthy way. Oh, look, there they are. The dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us, know, let us now kill him and cast him into the pit, here it is, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. 
We shall see what, the, what will become of his dreams. Oh, they will. But, but Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben, Reuben, who was the oldest brother, said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They, then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Dry places. Anybody ever been in a dry place in life? Just feel like there's, man, I just can't get anything going. Need some moisture around here. Moving on. Here's the first question. How did I get here? How did I get here? It reminds me of a, 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 a story that is a joke. You'll get it in a minute. There was a man that would work the, the, the late shift, they call the graveyard shift, right? In order to get home, he thought, well, I'm going to buy some time. I can't wait to get, my, get to where my kids are. I want to be there before they wake up. So he cr- cuts through a cemetery. And, and he didn't, lo and behold, they're, getting, they're digging a grave site, getting ready for the next day because some, some, someone sadly lost their life. Well, he falls into the, into the grave site. He falls into the pit. And he's scratching and he's calling out and he's trying to get out, but nobody's around. And so he just gives up and he just goes and sits in the corner and says, well, daylight's coming soon. I'll wait. Somebody will be by and I'll get, they'll let me out then. Well, another man comes through and he's just kind of whispering and talking and he'd been drinking a little bit and he's so drunk he falls into the pit as well. He falls into the gravesite and he's calling out and scratching and trying to, trying to get out. And all of a sudden, a strange man's shoulder, hand reaches out, taps him on the shoulder and says, you can't get out. But he did. (laughs) So sometimes we need to know that with the proper motivation, we can get out of the pit. (laughs) We have to have some sense of self-awareness. So that would start with, how did I get here? Like, because life is so busy, and it's so chaotic, and it's so congested, and we're just moving forward. We're just trying to take care of today, and we're just trying to just do the best we can, and all of a sudden, we're here. Well, how did I get here? What are some of the choices that were made? What are some of the decisions? What are some of the things that I'm responsible for? How did I get here? Psalms 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Sometimes we need to know, God, what is going on in my heart? God, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? How did life come to where it looks like this because the dream and the ideas and the, the, the things that you showed me when I was a kid or I was young or I was moving in this path, it didn't look anything like this. So God, how did I get here? And Joseph could have said, you know what? It's not my fault. I, I haven't done anything wrong. Sound familiar? It, it's all them. They, they're jealous. It's, it's not the way I present myself. It's not the way I talk about what God has said to me. It is all them. They're just envious of me. He could have said all those things, right? Anybody ever been there? Like, I'm never, I'm never wrong. Like, it's not my fault. It's all them. I don't know. I've never done, what'd you do wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Seriously, how often do we have these same thoughts in our own hearts? And when we go through difficult times, this is what many people do. They blame someone else. They stand in the pity zone that's how you know you're in a pit because you have self-pity and and they blame everybody else for their circumstances and they say things like well you know what i really never did anything wrong come on if you're breathing it's likely you've done something wrong and i'm sorry seriously i'm seriously sorry for things that have happened to you as a child things that have happened to you in your past maybe things that like joseph family has done and and hurt you by but It's time to forgive, to bless, and release them back to God because holding on to those pains are keeping you away from your purpose. And I can't walk into my purpose holding on to past pains, past situations, past thoughts that that are ruminating in my heart, keeping me distracted from what the clarity of what God is trying to show me, trying to do in my life. We live in a world that lacks accountability with a willingness to be corrected. It blames everyone and even everything. Like, how did that thing do something wrong without you being connected to that thing doing something wrong? 
it was that. That thing just didn't work. It just broke, and it, did, didn't, it just did it. It just, like, it fell off all by itself. No, it didn't. You put it on the edge, and when it fell off, it was because where you put it, it was in a vulnerable situation, and so it fell off and broke on it. Like, I should have put the frying pan closer to the back of the wall rather than on the edge of the countertop. Would have made At some point, for even the most the smallest thing we're going to have to have learn to have some sense of accountability for what has taken place because somewhere in there we did have a part otherwise we're going to stay in a very immature state of mind but god is always using our situations our circumstances as we are willing to own them and become responsible for them he's using them to reform our hearts so that he can prepare us through accountability, through humility, for the greater things that he does have for us. And it's, it's never what, the, what has been done to us that puts us in the pit. It's always our reaction to the things that have done, been done to us that puts us in the pit. You can't change the circumstance. You can't change the, the event. You can't change what took place, but you can change your perspective, your reaction to the things that you believe about that situation. You can change all of those things, and those things will set you free. But you, st- you can't stay unhealthily connected to the past and begin to walk in the future. You'll be torn apart. And God is not the author of your pain, but he, does, he desires to form your character through everything you've been through. Why? Because your, fu- your future looks everything like other people, and your everything like other people only comes from you being restored from the hurts and the wounds from other people past. So if, you'll find yourself, if you find yourself in a pit, you may ought to do some soul searching and say, God, how did I get here? How, how did it end up looking like this right here? And why am I in this position? And there are many, many pits in life. There's relationship pits, in and out of relationships, good relationships, bad relationships, broken relationships, healthy relationships, uh, estranged relationships. You can look backwards and say, do I have a trail of relationships and they all look broken? Well, it can't be everybody else. Maybe it's a financial pit. Finan- go ups and downs, financial ups and downs, everything's so inconsistent. In all of these questions, my question, I always ask people, are you tithing? Because 10 is a test. And what is it testing? It's testing a man's heart, a woman's heart. It's testing, can I trust God to be my provider or am I the, my own provision? Because if you are good enough, hey, five virgins that did got away with good enough, because if you are good enough to be your provider, then you will be good enough. You think you will be good enough to fulfill your purpose, and your purpose will look nothing like the purpose that God had intended for you. You just settle for good enough. You're wandering in the desert, and you're calling it purpose, but it's really just good enough. And if you're robbing God from what belongs to him based on what he's already given you to steward, then how can he trust you with what true riches are? And you know what scripture calls true riches? God is using the tithe to test your heart to see if he can entrust people into your possession, into your leadership, into your influence. Because if you can't return back to him what belongs to him, you'll try to take what belongs to him in people, and you'll bring it all into yourself. And that's what Joseph's issue was, thinking that people were going to worship him. In reality, God was grabbing his attention so that one day, Joseph would actually be used to make a way for God's people and then bring influence from God into the nation, into the whole world. Man, that is really good. Verse 18 said, now when they saw him afar off. Now, how did they see him? It's probably because he was wearing that blue and purple and orange polka dot with glitter coat that he has. It's like a rainbow butterfly, rainbow butterfly, yes. It was psychedelic and, what's that, what's that color? Holographic, there we go, that's good enough, I like that, see? It was like those lights that they have at Thrive Community Church during worship, they're little rainbowy ones, which are Delaney's favorite, by the way, that's, <laughs> I know that's why they come up. But he was wearing it, just showing it off as he's supposed to be out in a place where they're, they're working sheep, and here he is in his 
coat of many colors saying, hey, look at me. Here I come, Mr. Showboat. You're all going to be worshiping me one day. You're going to bow down to me. I've seen it already. I just can't wait to see it happen. And so they saw him from afar off. They saw him coming. He, what he was doing was he was showing off his gift. And how many of us tend to show off our gift? Oh, here's what I mean. They'll work into a conversation. Yeah, here's, my, here's what my gift is. Here, here's what I do well. Here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm called to do. Okay. Okay. Well, let God, let God make a way for you then because a, gift, a, a, a man's gift makes room for him. I don't have to show it off. It's seen. And you and I are a lot like Joseph. Joseph had a father who favored him. You and I have a heavenly father who gives us favor, by the way. Joseph had a father who gave him a gift. You and I have a father, a heavenly father, who has gifted us. We're a lot like Joseph. We don't have to come in braggadocious with pride and talking about, here's my gift, showing off my gift, wearing my gift on my, on my, on my shoulders. But if we let God just move in our lives and make room because we're humble and we're yielded to his presence, his voice, and we're doing what he's saying, doing his way, then he begins to make room. He makes opportunity. He creates a way where there is no way. He, he makes dimension for us. And there's a, a, another thing about that. He was proud of his gift. He showed it off every time he got a chance. And in our immaturity, we want to show our gift off every chance that we get. But here's the real thing. The problem with, the, with this scenario is oftentimes our identity gets lost in the gift rather than our identity being lost in the gift giver. And so when my gift is messed up, so is my identity. Let me say it this way. When I can't just utilize my gift the way I want to do it, my identity is jacked up. Character flaws start to show up. Issues start to come about in my life. Instead, if we'll just see that I'm a son and I'm a daughter of the gift giver, the father of, of the universe, and no matter what he wants, that's what I want to do anyway. How he wants to do it, that's how I want to do it anyway. That's the best and safest place to be. When our identity is in him, he can move us, he can, he can build us up, he can strengthen us, he can give us, he can take away, and it doesn't matter because it all belongs to him anyway. That's the test. So why do we have to show off our code? This pride, this inferiority is what got Joseph in trouble, and it's what gets us in trouble too. Now Joseph, hear me on this really closely before you judge it, Joseph lost connection with his gift. He didn't lose his gift, but he lost connection with it. He got thrown into a pit, his, his, his gift, his coat was taken, and he lost connection. How many times have we seen many great leaders in the body of Christ lose their connection with their gifting? What they did, they still have it. They still have the ability, but the anointing that's on it, the influence that came with it, all of a sudden soon dissipates. And what God was doing with their lives for the sake of other people somewhere for the sake of others, to draw them to him somewhere, those individuals get proud. They say, recognize my gift. Look how good I am. And then God begins to create a disconnect. The anointing just begins to leave. If you need to know about the anointing, go back and watch our U version from the, this past first Wednesday. We talked all about the anointing, October 6th. But his father didn't take it back. But Joseph did lose it. Now know this. If you felt disconnected from what God has given you, let me say, maybe it was because of a moral or a character issue, don't be in condemnation and guilt and shame because the moment that you repent, God begins to work it back into your life and even a hundredfold. G Joseph, after this event, was the second most wealthiest person in all of the world. Can you imagine? I'm sure he had hundreds of coats. He probably had some, one of those closets that had a little button and the coats just kind of go through all around and around or somebody was just kind of running like that back in that day. But he had hundreds. So the hundredfold comes back to your life if you will just repent, change your heart and say, God, I, I, I messed it up trying to do it my own way. This all belongs to you anyway. In fact, my breath, every breath comes from the Lord according to scripture. The fact that I get to breathe is because of you. And so whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm wholeheartedly yours, whatever you want. 
And so Jacob likely did keep the, his son's coat because he was his favorite. But though, though he thought Joseph was dead, but Joseph likely got that coat back too. But even if he didn't get that coat of many colors back, here's what he did get. Later he got back restoration to his father. And, and whether you've been in a situation, a struggle, a, 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 a bad place, and you feel disconnected from a gifting that you once had, who, do, who cares? Because if repentance leads you back to a healthy re- restoration and, and relationship with your heavenly father, then everything that he has for you is still yours and is coming and is coming fast. So number two is this. What's God's perspective? And why do I ask this? Because every time something happens, every time there's a painful moment, every time there's a struggle, an event, an issue, all of a sudden, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, starts coming in and he starts falsifying the truth. He starts giving you his perspective to mess you up, hoping that you'll grab a hold of that because he's, he's fast. So that's the first truth that I have. The first lie is really what it really is. The first example or... <laughs> or evidence of what has taken place, I'm going to grab that and make that mine, and here's what my new truth is. But yet we never waited on God to see what his perspective is. We have Satan's perspective on our life situations, but this is why I ask God, what is God's perspective on what took place? To pull back away and say, wait a minute, I know, I know, I know it feels like that, and I know it looks even like this, but surely this is not the case. God, what are you saying about my situation? Because there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is very general. Conviction looks like, hey, you did this. This is what happened. This is how you got here, but here's how you get out. Condemnation looks like, I can't believe what you did. Look at you, you're the worst person in the world. You'll never be able to fulfill your purpose. You might as well just give it all up and just abandon all things. That's condemnation. There's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. And God will never condemn you for anything. Condemnation always comes from Satan because it is his work. You need to, we know the most famous passage in all of scripture John 3:16 but John 3:17 says this and circle it for God did not in your notes did not God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved Jesus isn't here to condemn anyone, and when something happens and it's unfavorable, the condemnation that comes did not come from from Jesus. It's coming from Satan, and we'd be wise to not listen. And if it's condemning others, if it's condemning self, if it's condemning and creating division, we know who is at work. But Jesus came for restoration, to convict us of righteousness so that we can be restored back to the Father. We were already condemned. Like we were born condemned. We were born on a path to hell. We were born on that path, but Jesus stepped in and he says, no, 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 no. I'm gonna convict you of who you really are, your righteousness in Christ, in me, in the Father, and I'm gonna step in if you'll so allow me, I will, and I'll restore a relationship back from you, with you to the Father. Hallelujah for that, because we couldn't do it in and of ourselves. Let me show you one of the most famous lies in this story. Because the accuser of the brethren never stops, and he's an opportunist. Genesis 37, 31 through 33 says this, So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? Come on, they knew. You can see it already, a lie in action, just playing dumb. Verse 33, and he recognized it, Jacob, and said, it's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Now, this this is a lie that Jacob himself made up or fabricated to associate his understanding with the event that has taken place. I'm going to break that down because Satan is such a good liar that he always fabricates evidence to support his lies. And we're so quick to believe the evidence that Satan has fabricated and supports the lie that's in our hearts already, the, the, the lie that he planted in, and then he builds some kind of evidence, some case around it. And there we are latching onto it, grabbing it, and all of a sudden it's become our false truth. 
Why is he doing it? To keep us from fulfilling the, full, the fullness of what Jesus Christ has created and called us to do. And the more he can get us to buy the evidence of the lies that he's implanted, imparted into our souls during our difficult times, the more he can hold us to the past and keep us from our future. We're walking around like porcupines. Got all kind of little lies stuck to us all over the place, just needing to be plucked out. Because it's false evidence, false truth. But we own these things. And listen, I'm not standing up here self-righteous. I'm working through all mine too. And I've had to work through a lot, by the way. But every once in a while, situations spur up old memories, old scenarios. And then all of a sudden, the temptation to grab a hold of an old lie, an old, an old evidenced lie, fabricated lie, is there. But I have to choose, wait a minute, but what, God, what are you saying? But what is your truth over this situation? Satan does these same things to us, whether it's in our covenant, uh, covenant of marriage or in our finances. Oh, oh, oh. You, you've been, you, now, you know, found that, that girl at the gym, and she works out. And you work out. Y'all got things in common. Maybe she's your soulmate. Maybe you need to leave. Maybe you need to leave your wife, your current wife. And we start buying these things because all of a sudden we've got disconnection between disconnection from us and the Father, disconnection from our spouses. And Satan starts to weave a little, a little evidential lie in there. Or maybe it's finances, you know what? You're always on these ups and downs. You're never going to be financially stable. You might as well just run up all the credit cards you can and go to jail at some point and sit it out. Just get in debt. These are true lies that we grab a hold of. You'll never be. It'll never this. It'll never. No? But what is God's perspective on my situation? Number three is this. The purpose of every pit is to bring me closer to the Father. By the way, what else can you do in a pit? <laughs> like, I'm stuck here. I got nothing. It's dry, it's lonely, and it's empty. And so the whole purpose of it is to just cause us to cry out to the Father, Father, help me. And the worst thing we can do is to work our way out, ourselves, out of a little pit. These little pit that, that are little tests. Little guy goes, hey, oh, I'm going to give you a little opportunity to grow in this area, your, your, your character. And it's a little, pet, little pits, and we, we use our own understanding Rather than God's methods and leaning into him and beginning to lean into his voice. Lord, what are you saying about this? What do you want to do in my heart? What's in my heart that actually got me here? What, what is your perspective on this situation? We work ourselves out. We work with, out with good enough. And then when the bigger pit comes and we fall in the bigger pit, all of a sudden, we're, because we didn't lean on God in the small pits, we're not trained to lean on God during the big pits. And now we're stuck and we're, we're throwing big fits. Woe is me. Now I'm having a pity party down in my little pit. It's not a pit stop. I'm down in the pit. That's it. Because, because we have, in reality, we need help in everything, everything that we do. Jonah, another guy that needed some help, he found himself in a pit. Jonah 2, 1 and 2 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Now, mind you, he's in a fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And by the way, sometimes affliction is a blessing because it causes you to cry out to the Lord. If you're in an afflicted situation, hallelujah, because finally God's got your attention. Your character wasn't able to sustain the situation that you're in, or God is preparing you to go to another level of responsibility uh, of whatever it is with him that he so desires. And affliction is creating an attention-grabbing moment to get you to cry out to him so that you can be formed according to his methods, so you can conform to Christ's image, so he can lift you up like he's been trying to do for years. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Okay, you were in a fish's belly. Now you're in Sheol. And he says, and you heard my voice. So you may feel like you're under attack, but you're really being prepared for greater things ahead. Jonah 2.6 says this, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Somebody needs to grab a hold of that. What's in the past needs to be in the past, and you need to let some mountains and bars be behind you. And never, in fact, 
you, you, need to get some, you need to get some lighter fluid, some gas, some diesel, and kerosene, and go in a match and light up the past and just let it burn. In fact, build a bridge between you and it and catch the bridge on fire too. <laughs> but I wonder what took place in a few hours while Joseph was down in the pit. He probably, my thinking is, he went from, God, it's all them. I've done nothing wrong. They're just jealous of me. They just want to be, they just want to have dreams like I have dreams. You give me a dream. And God, because you give me a dream, I know you're going to get them, strike them, God. Get them, God. God going to get them. God going to get them. And then maybe a few hours later when he realizes your situation's not going to change, maybe it's changed through his heart. We're like, maybe, God, is there something maybe I could have done differently? Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have been tattletelling. God, God maybe, I should, maybe I shouldn't have been so braggadocious on the dreams. Maybe I shouldn't have told them that they were going to worship me one day. Maybe I, maybe I could have handled things a little bit differently. Isn't it interesting over time we go from proud and haughty, it's everybody else, to nothing's changing in our life, so maybe I need to do a little reflection and, and find some self-awareness and see what God's perspective is on my life. When we're wise, we'll get there, and we become wiser because we've been in a lot of pits. And it's only being humble and say, okay, Lord, I can only mess this thing up further from here. Please help me. I, I, I've gone far enough, <laughs> and I, I, need, I need some help. Because every pit is there to restore, bring us closer to the heart of the Father. But I'm going to give you a little, uh, little bonus blurb here, some types and shadows in this story here, Genesis 37, 22. Now, a types and shadow is, is a real event that took place in the Old Testament. But as 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, it points to things that instruct us. All through the Old Testament, you're going to find types and shadows. Just track with me on this. Even if you don't understand, don't let your eyes blur and start shopping on Amazon. And so it points to truths that instruct us for spiritual things and principles in the New Testament in our time. Genesis 37, 22, and Reuben said to them, this is how God had always been lining the Jews' heart towards Jesus to come, the Messiah. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. Now remember, Jesus was, was crucified outside of town. And before he was in a pit, he was thrown into a cell, and I've been in it, I've been in it, it's dark and it's dry and it's, it's an ugly place, uh, it's a pit. You have to go down into it, which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Let me just hold on that. Now Reuben was the firstborn, he was the oldest, he was the firstborn of many brethren, Joseph was his youngest. Joseph was his favorite. He shouldn't have been because it's typically the oldest brother. The firstborn is always the favorite, firstborn son. Jesus, according to Scripture, was the firstborn of God, the firstborn of many brethren. See the parallels here? Now, Jesus went down into a pit for you and I. Joseph, too, in this story, is a picture of Jesus Christ. Joseph was thrown into a pit. Jesus went into a pit. Jesus did nothing wrong, but you know who did do something wrong? You and I. So being a good father sent his own son, the firstborn of many brethren, into a pit, into a place where you and I should have been so that we'll never have to be there. But if we do get there, He's always given us a way out. He never leaves us without and a way out so long as we'll use the pit to call out to his name. Help me out, Lord. Help me out. Help me through. And that's the purpose of every pit. If you're in a pity party, if you're stuck in a pit, then the whole purpose of it is to get you to stop looking outward at everybody else and start looking up in your heart. Okay, Lord. What is it that got me here? How do I get out of this? How do you, what do you want to do? What is it in my character that you want to address so I don't have to visit this like this in this scenario, this situation ever again? I want to pray for you. The question I always love to ask is most important beyond what anything I've ever said in this whole time we're here today is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? In a messianic passage, Psalm 1610, it says, For you, 
will not leave my soul in Sheol. Speaking of Jesus, but he won't leave your, your soul. He won't even leave your current situation in a pit. But if we can grab a hold of this second truth in the 10 tests and just humbly say, okay, when I get stuck, when I begin to blame others, when I begin to get pitiful, when I get stuck in a situation, a scenario, and I can't feel like I can't get myself out, if I could just train myself to immediately, quickly, more rapidly begin to ask these, these reflection questions, knowing that the scenario is not authored by God, but it sure is useful for God. And I just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I allow him to speak to those character flaws, those spaces, those areas that are really from a broken nature from Adam and Eve. Maybe it's generational things, but I have no one to blame. God, I have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. I have the blood of Jesus that flows through me. I have the same DNA, same access, if I'll just access it. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Father, right now, I just ask that help us all to understand how we got here. If we're stuck in a pit. What's God's, God, what's your perspective on this? Maybe today you don't know Christ or you thought you knew Christ. And maybe it's, maybe it's time to truly confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe it's time to not just meet the church, but it's time to meet the father of the church. Maybe it's time to meet the one the church is built around, and that's Jesus Christ. You've been coming and coming and coming, and you've been in church. Maybe you grew up in church, but you haven't met Jesus. It's time to be introduced to Jesus. How does that look? Father, I repent from my ways, my attitudes, my behaviors, my decisions, my choices, and I ask for your forgiveness. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I do believe that he went to Sheol for me so I wouldn't have to be there. He went to the pit and was raised again three days later so that I too can be raised again with him. He is the first of many brethren and I'm one of his brethren. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.